listening to Phenomenology Club Radio. Hello and thank you for listening to this audio podcast. I am Buttress, the host of Phenomenology Club, which is an interactive online community of artists and thinkers centered around this content that I create and curate online for us to talk about which is why both our tagline for Phenomenology Club and the subtitle for this discussion series is Talk About It. Most of these uploads are originally streamed live on our YouTube page. If you're interested in interacting with those as they happen live, please go subscribe and turn on the notifications at youtube.com slash phenomenologyclub. And in general, to learn more about our club, what we do, and how you can become a member for only $1 a month, please visit our website at www.phenomenology.club. Thank you for listening. Stay trippy. Hello! Good morning, Vietnam! Hello, good morning. It is I, again, Buttress, a.k.a. Bethany from New Jersey, this is Phenomenology Club. Good morning. It's morning for people who sleep. I don't know anything about that. It's Sunday morning. And I want to start with an announcement for anyone that might be listening. Today's Sunday and tonight at 9.30 p.m. EST, we'll be having a group discussion in Phenomenology Club for any of you who are Phenomenology Club members that means that you can go onto our Discord and basically engage in one of these discussions where you can actually talk back. Where I'm not just some godhead like the fucking Wizard of Oz talking at nothing except this chat room with text. But uh, if you're in Phenomenology Club for only $1, by the way, you could sign up on my Patreon. I put a link in the description here. Then you get full access to all of our club materials as well as our discord chat it's probably the number one incentive where you can join us for our talk about it discussions we have a few of those uploaded to this channel and you could talk back i'll i give you permission to talk back and tonight we're speaking about uh the topics i talked about in the video on this channel called the implicit logical bias of language anyway that's my discussion today i want to talk about fucking dinosaur ghosts where the fuck are they where the fuck are all the animal ghosts and the dinosaur ghosts i asked people to type in here their best argument for why for where the dinosaur ghosts are and nobody did that because you're all some fucking pussies and you don't none of you have a fucking answer you're gonna let me talk to you like that well i did what are you gonna do about it do something you can't so i have this video on this channel called it's human consciousness special where i already talk about this kind of but i want to talk about this some more because this is so fucking fun to think about and to talk about so it is my belief that in order for me to feel strongly that there are ghosts out here and i know there's a lot of mixed opinions on this whether or not ghosts exist I feel like if there are ghosts, if ghosts are some phenomena that do happen in this world, why are there no animal ghosts? Why are there no dinosaur ghosts? Where's all the fucking fish ghosts? Hmm? 
Because fish ghosts wouldn't need to stay in the ocean, right? If they're ghosts, they could just probably fucking fly around anywhere, right? You would think that by now, with all of these ghost sightings that are constantly described by various people across the world in various cultures, you would have heard at least one story about someone running into like a fucking T-Rex ghost or something, right? Right? Someone says they're just not perceivable. Maybe not to you and your puny fucking mind. Just kidding. So, <laughs> let's try to go through the most popular arguments, right? I, I had a few people respond to this. I posted this on the internet. Where's all the animal and the dinosaur ghosts? And a few people answered, they don't have souls. <laughs> okay, so let's humor this idea together. Let's try to. You don't need to necessarily believe in some, like, Christian conception of a soul, right, to believe in one. Especially in the past decade, I would say, there's been a bunch of emergent theories of consciousness that center this idea of there being some sort of thing that could be described as a soul. And this isn't necessarily from a Christian perspective. This is a... This is a very popular idea among certain hippy-dippy types, but not just hippy-dippy types, even certain parapsychologists. I cite the work of Dr. Stuart Hammerhoff a lot, personally, because there was a time in my life when I was very enamored. Oops, sorry, just bumped into the mic. I was very enamored with this man's research. You should look him up. He actually does have really interesting videos. Um... He's an anesthesiologist, and he's really enamored with this idea that by some principle of quantum physics, your consciousness is bound together. What is it called? I didn't take physics in high school because I was stupid. Fuck. I forget the term, but shit. Basically, he has this idea that consciousness is a distinct singular phenomena and people can have things like near-death experiences and experience things like astral projection, sort of, um, because I think the word is, is it quantum tethering? I don't know. But he essentially believes that as your spirit is some sort of unified consciousness, or not your spirit, your, your consciousness is some sort of unified, distinct entity, it can feasibly exit your body and do things like, you know, perceive your physical body lying below you on an operating table or something. And this is something that he talks about a lot. He says that his patients experience as he's an anesthesiologist, so he hears a lot of stories from people on the operating table who say things like, when I was out, I floated above my body and I saw myself below myself on the operating table. You defo hear stories about ghost dogs, though, someone says. That's true, you hear a few, you hear a few. Civil War ghost dogs and shit. But anyway, you don't need to necessarily subscribe to some Christian conception of a soul right to entertain this idea that there would be some sort of quantum consciousness or not even necessarily quantum you know whatever the fuck you may believe you can have some sort of secular belief that your consciousness is some distinct phenomenal that could feasibly exit your body and float around and shit right so i'm not going to deny that because i cannot 
I cannot prove or disprove this theory, right? I mean, how would you even do that? What do people in the chat think? Do you people subscribe to these sorts of beliefs? And if so, why? Because, and please give me some feedback I can respond to. But personally, I am not compelled by this. And I will tell you why. The reason that I don't find myself intrigued by any of these sorts of theories is just because I can't see any reason why I should be, you know? What sorts of compelling evidence would there be for me to even entertain this theory? Because as far as I can see, I don't really see any reason to entertain this theory any more than, you know, I would entertain the theory that, like, <laughs> I'm a unicorn or something, and when I die... I'm going to fucking go to my little pony heaven or something. You know what I'm saying? It's not that I think this thing is impossible. It's just that the only ideas I can think of that would make such a theory even compelling in the first place are things that I feel have pretty, pretty good reasons to think that they're probably not founded in any sort of rational on any sort of rational criteria, right? Because, like, why do people entertain these ideas? They entertain them because, for one, like, people will say, well, so many religions around the world have ideas of souls or consciousness or something that resembles a soul, you know, and an afterlife. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> so many religions and spiritualities around the world, too, have this idea of a god, you know, some sort of sentient god figure. Is that reason enough to entertain the possibility that it must be true? I don't really think so, because when I think about it, I feel like there's actually a lot of good reasons for why it's true that a lot of religions around the world coming from cultures that had no knowledge of each other, came up with these theories of God and souls that all seem to sort of resemble each other. And because they resemble each other so strongly, people seem to think this is, like, strange. But I don't think it's really that strange. Like, for one, uh, the idea of a God, a sentient God or something, this is something that I feel like it's pretty easy to think about why early humans came to these sorts of conclusions and created these sorts of religions that center some like sending god figure right like imagine being a fucking caveman and seeing a tornado like what the fuck i would definitely think that there was like a guy in the sky or something or something like i would definitely think that these forces are sentient you know like something calms down from the fucking sky and just like kills everything takes up all the trees and shit i mean all natural phenomena i feel like is so imagine experiencing like all the fucking wonders of nature and having no popular ideas to work with i mean we already have things like natural science which is definitely very underdeveloped like i am a person who believes very much in science and all this shit i definitely put it on a pedestal in my own worldview but at the same time i think science is just a fucking baby i mean we barely invented surgery we barely cured polio we barely came up with evolutionary theory like we are still essentially a bunch of civil war photographs for all i'm concerned like people are gonna look back at us and call us primitive which is funny because we think we're like on the cutting edge of all technology like yeah fucking right we just figured out that you should 
well, Western scientists just figured out you should fucking wash your hands if you're going to deliver a baby. Like, come on. There were so many bitches just, like, dying after childbirth because doctors didn't wash their fucking hands. Like, that was, like, not even... That was, like, a hundred years ago. We don't know shit. I love us, but... It's not that hard to think about why, to get back on topic, why different cultures came up with religions that have, like, a sentient god person, right? I think the same is true for the soul. Like, people want to think that when they die, they're going to go somewhere, right? I feel like maybe this is just a popular way to deal with death, especially if you're already doing things like assigning external phenomena, some sort of anthropomorphic qualities, which like all religions are doing, you know, like seeing faces in trees and the fucking animals got a human guy inside of it and like yada fucking yada. Humans really like to project their own experiences onto the external world. So I think it's easy for us to anthropomorphize pretty much all forces of nature and see ourselves in it. Know what I'm saying? So this is why I don't think it's like incredibly crazy that people across cultures think that there's things like souls. And also that across cultures there's so many stories of ghosts and shit, you know. Because too, I think that, like I just said, we like to anthropomorphize phenomena. I think that's especially true for like inexplicable phenomena. You know, like how many people are like, I saw something out of the corner of my eye. Like, I think somebody's here. Like, we do it ourselves, you know? I do it, too, all the time. Like, I see some fucking guy in the corner. I'm like, huh? But it's just a piece of hair in my fucking... In my glasses. You know? So, I don't think that... I don't think that the fact that, like, ghosts and souls are common themes across cultures, across cultural spiritualities and religions, and across experience is reason enough, you know, to think that we must have them, you know. So it's like I can entertain theories like Dr. Stuart Hammerhoffs or any other secular person who wants to think of like consciousness as some sort of like unified property of existing that like maybe could be something that exists external to my physical body. But I still don't see any reason for why I should do that. Another reason would be the fact that there's so many firsthand eyewitness accounts of ghosts right but that's another thing that i think becomes incredibly dubious especially as time goes on it's like how long have we all had fucking camera phones by now where is the compelling ghost evidence by now there should be like if ghosts really are this common and they are just fucking everywhere which it seemed like they were before all of a sudden camera phones like caught everything else in existence you would think by now there would be some compelling camera phone evidence or something some sort of video evidence for these fucking things especially since one of the reasons that people believed so hard in ghosts before digital video technology was because of photographic evidence especially that this is a thing that became especially popular in like the victorian era ghost photography you know there's so many famous photos of ghosts from the Victorian era back when exposures took fucking five fucking minutes you would think <laughs> that using f photography 
that literally takes minutes to get a photo. Now with with digital technology, there would be infinitely more <laughs> photographic evidence entries for ghosts. Yet where the fuck are they? They're nowhere. Hmm. 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 So somebody else said that somebody else said that um ghosts or they believe that ghosts could be the result of emotional trauma and this is an idea that I think a lot of people feel and it's not necessarily reliant on believing in the existence of a soul or anything right this idea that ghosts are maybe created by some extreme emotional trauma and in that sense you leave some sort of like a like a I don't know how you would describe it, but some sort of an imprint, an emotional imprint on the world. And this isn't necessarily something that would have to transcend like scientific principles. Maybe it's entirely likely that we just like don't have the scientific language yet to describe whatever the fuck is happening here. And I have to admit that I used to be intrigued by these sorts of theories, you know. But the reason I was so intrigued by them is because I felt like there really was maybe enough compelling evidence just by the fact that so many fucking people claim to have seen and experienced ghosts uh, to think that maybe there could be some possibility for this thing happening and that maybe that was the most likely possibility. But this, I think, is a good segue into the animal ghosts because why would it be that only humans experience extreme emotional trauma and animals could not, right? I mean, have you ever seen an animal dying? Some animals definitely are experiencing emotional trauma as they die. I mean, all animals, even fucking fish, try their best to, like, avoid pain, right? Animals don't want to fucking die. Animals definitely experience trauma, I mean, we know dogs experience trauma. Dogs get fucking PTSD. What would be an argument for why there would be no animal ghosts if this was how ghosts were created, hypothetically? You know, emotional trauma, especially a thing that's so in the moment, so raw, so primitive, like, you know, dying. Like, what, what would be the argument that only humans were capable of experiencing this sort of emotional trauma? What would it be? Can I, can I get an answer? Does anyone believe this and feel strongly this way? No, you can't. <laughs> no, tell me if you, if you feel this way. But I, I can't think of any reason why... There would be human ghosts created. First of all, the only the only like <laughs> compelling theory there could be for why there would be only human ghosts and no animal ghosts would be this idea, first of all, put forward that humans have souls and animals don't. And I see absolutely no reason to believe this because I see absolutely no reason to believe that humans have a soul even from a secularist viewpoint, right? And then the only other reason would be somebody said that maybe humans can experience the depths the true depths of emotional trauma required to create a ghost by whatever sort of physiological process that we just don't understand yet i 
don't know why that would be, you know. And this is the whole idea. I think something that people really don't even think about enough and maybe should think about more because like I said in my video on human consciousness, this idea really like changed my fucking life the more I thought about it. Because for the longest time, I definitely was one of these people that believe very much that even though I'm totally an atheist, I've been an atheist for a long time, don't believe in any sort of spirituality or anything. I definitely have been for a long time, even as an atheist, intrigued by this idea that human consciousness is of some different metaphysical, if you will, fabric substance than animal consciousness and that what separates human consciousness from animal consciousness is sort of inexplicable and needs to be explained and I think a lot of people feel this way and you know that's why a lot of people are really intrigued by like Terrence McKenna's theories on like how human consciousness may have come to have gained its specific properties by way of like early humans eating magic mushrooms and stuff like this you know and other people had theories about how like maybe like aliens came down and touched our heads like bloop and then like boom human consciousness you know there's all different types of theories and i mean christianity is like a big one too all religions pretty much have some sort of theory too or at least some sort of belief they put forward for why humans are of some different substance than animals and this I think is so false and I think that this is a trap and the more I thought about this the more I was like holy shit I can't believe I've been thinking this way my entire life and this is easy to see I think why there's no real reason to say that there is some tangible difference between us when you think about this this is the example i've given probably like 10 times so anyone that's ever heard it is probably fucking sick of it but i don't care fuck you so i like to think about okay i'm sitting in a room right <laughs> i know i am sitting in a room and i know i'm sitting in a room because I know what sitting is, I know what I am, I know what the room is, I know all of these things in tandem, that's why I feel confidently that I can say I know I'm sitting in a room, right? But then you think about an animal, and I have a pet bunny, Steven. Steven is also sitting in a room. Does Steven know he is sitting in a room? And a few years ago, I would tell you, no, that's a stupid fucking question. Of course Steven doesn't know he's sitting in a room. And this is the idea that I think a lot of people have when we think about this stuff. How often do we hear people say, like, humans are the only animal that can consider their own existence. But is that really true? Because what makes that true? The only reason anybody can say you can consider your own existence is simply because we have a complex language that's come up with categories for these things, right? But when you think about like early humans, before they developed language, what about them? Could they contemplate their own existence? If your argument for human rationality and human consciousness being set apart and of some 
totally different substance than all animal consciousness if your argument is because humans can contemplate their own existence and think in complex concepts then what do you say about the humans that didn't have language yet to describe these things would you argue that like they didn't have this quality of consciousness of course not like early humans who couldn't speak with language early humans who came up with language who had this impulse to come up with language because we are wildly intelligent that's undisputable but so are many species in different ways could they contemplate their own existence no yes sort of <laughs> And this is where it gets trippy to think about because it's like before you have language to talk about anything, before you have language to tell yourself, I'm sitting in a room or I'm sitting here thinking about my own existence and thinking about the existence of dinosaur ghosts and thinking about dinosaurs, thinking about their own existence. Before you can say any of these things, there is an impetus to say them, right? We have categories in our heads for all different sorts of things. And these categories are the things that ultimately we came up with language to describe, right? To think about like simple objects. If there is an apple in my immediate perception, right? There are qualities of my own cognition that allow me to even see the apple as a distinct object that I then feel compelled to pick up and observe and potentially give it a name. And all of this happens before language. This is why we even picked up the apple and gave it a name. We didn't feel compelled to pick up the sky or try to and give it a name because the sky does not present in our immediate phenomena as something that can be picked up. But why, right? It wasn't just a fucking free-for-all. These are actually physiological structures of perception that allow us to see distinct phenomena and pick up different objects and interact with them in all sorts of different ways. And these structures precede language, obviously. Language follows our, enacting, our, our interacting with these things. And animals do the same exact shit the only thing that's different is animals as far as we know though some of them do have some sort of language but animals as far as we know haven't come up with the sorts of systems of language that we have but they're still interacting with these objects of their experience in similar ways because they too create categories for all these things and this is why i say steven knows that he is sitting in a room because if Stephen didn't know he was sitting in a room, he would be in a state of constant bewilderment. But I can tell. Of course, I can't tell because I can never enter Stephen's perception. But from observing Stephen, it seems pretty apparent to me that Stephen knows when he's doing stuff. He knows when he's hungry. He can move on over to his bowl where he knows there is food inside of it. If he didn't know this, every time he felt hungry, I mean, I don't know. What would he do? He would probably just freak the fuck out. I don't know. Run around. 
running it, bumping into shit, hoping that like maybe food happens? How does he know to take food into his mouth and swallow it? How does he know he feels like running around the room? How does he know he wants to stop and sit in the room? How does he know that the boundaries of the room are a thing that he doesn't want to run into? Steven obviously has categories for all of these things in his conscious experience. And so just as I have categories for the wall and for the floor and for food and for knowing I'm tired or knowing I want to get up, knowing all this shit, Steven also has these categories. The only difference between me and Steven is that Steven has not come up with a language to describe these things to himself and sit here and talk about it all fucking day long. And of course, as a human, I am going to say that we are the superior, most intelligent species or what the fuck ever. But that's just because I am a human. I don't even know if I believe that personally that this is true. Especially the more I meditate on these concepts, I definitely think that some of these other species, like, they probably have some freaky deaky fucking intelligence and are communicating in ways that we just, like, don't fucking comprehend and can't because they're speaking a totally different language. And we can't comprehend it just like we can't teach a bumblebee the alphabet, you know? Like, cuttlefish and octopi. octopi. They're on some freaky shit, you know? I would not be surprised if we found out that those motherfuckers are infinitely more intelligent than we are. Now, of course, as a human, I say fuck them and I'll eat all of them. But the point remains that I don't think there's really anything remarkably different about my consciousness and their consciousness or my consciousness and Steven's consciousness, except that I can talk about it. Know what I'm saying? That's how Steven also knows that there's an apple and Steven will also go up to the apple and eat on that. And again, to bring up the example of a human without language, I think this is the best example of this, you know. Because you can say, like, I mean, you can come up with all different sorts of arguments about human rationality and this and that. But what is a human without language? What is a feral human out in the wild? How much different is a feral human than, like, a fucking gorilla or something, you know? I would say that they present as having, like, almost equal intelligence. I'm sure you could, like, see that maybe humans do have are of, like, a higher intelligence compared to a gorilla or something. But I don't think that it seems so distinctly, so remarkably, so amazingly different until you introduce the variable of language, and that's when everything gets fucked up. So, to think again on this emotional argument that perhaps really strong emotional trauma can create a ghost so to speak do you think that because it's possible let's be scientists here to the best of our abilities do you think that maybe language enables us to have a deeper more intense emotional trauma because that could be an argument you know to say that, okay, maybe there's nothing fundamentally different about the quality of my consciousness and the consciousness of an animal. But maybe because as humans we have language, we experience emotional traumas to different depths. Because I think that this is definitely true. Like, 
a thing like getting dumped by your boyfriend. <laughs> like, if you're just in the wild and, you know, you have no language, you're just a caveman and you, like, <laughs> get pregnant by some fucking caveman guy and then he, like, bonks you on the head and he's like, you know, I'll fuck you and walks over to some other bitch. Like, I'm sure you would be sad even in your caveman existence without language. But I don't think you would be as sad as you are as a human living in 2019 with your language, with your social media. You can like lurk on your on your boyfriend who just dumped you like, oh, my God, I did this wrong. Did I do this? Oh, my God, he looks so cute. Oh, my God, look like he's talking to these other bitches. Oh, my God, I'm going through his likes. He's liking all these other people. <laughs> like maybe there is something to this idea that emotional trauma is amplified through the vehicle of language. I think that that's sort of a compelling idea. But. I don't know if that's compelling enough. What do we think? <laughs> it's been half an hour. Let me let me get some responses. Then I'm going to get out of here. I just had to hop on here and talk about dinosaur ghosts real quick. Also. I wish they were real because dinosaur ghosts, that would be awesome. Like a blue whale ghost. Imagine this. She just like flies to your house randomly. That would rule. Someone says, maybe I'm dumb, but I don't understand how having a deeper emotional spectrum make us survive death as floating spirits and not dogs. Well, I think the argument that the um, emotion, cr emotional trauma creates ghosts uh, people are putting forth are that um, not that necessarily even this spirit exists as like some externalized version of yourself. I think it's more like some it creates some like hard encoded memory into the plasma into the ether that just kind of like replays it's almost like a xerox you know like if you scream loud enough if your trauma is traumatic enough the trauma is so strong it basically xeroxes your fucking plasma into the ether and then it's just there forever like on some sort of infinite loop you know so i don't think the idea is necessarily that that loop is you i think it's more that like you imprint onto the universe and become immortal so to speak <laughs> somebody else earlier said i think it was cammy where is it there's a lot of evidence i've had experiences i can't explain i didn't believe them before this is something too that I feel very strongly about and if you're not subscribed to this channel I hope you will subscribe and watch my video about spirituality the one called against spirituality if you haven't because this I think is even more useful of an idea to meditate on when trying to think about things like ghosts because personally I've also had plenty of paranormal experiences because <laughs> Coming from a background of fundamental Christianity where I had a lot of truly bizarre experiences. Then I got into the occult and shit. I've like totally seen like entities and I've experienced them in a real way. Like I've had all sorts of parapsychological phenomena experiences. But 
the difference between me now and me then is I no longer put full trust in these experiences. And that's not to say I don't trust myself. I trust that I had experiences. What I don't trust is that my translation of these experiences are necessarily accurate, you know. I believe that the only common denominator throughout all of our various experiences and all various different schools of religion and spirituality, the only common denominator, denominator, is our minds. Our minds are fucking amazing. Our minds can convince us of pretty much anything. I mean... People have full fucking blown hallucinations. I've had hallucinations, both willingly and unwillingly. All of them are scary and amazing and beautiful. But I don't believe that what I think I am experiencing at all times is what I'm experiencing. And people will say that like, oh, you're closed-minded. You're closing yourself off. Blah, 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 blah. But I believe that I'm actually now more open-minded than ever. Because I'm now open to the possibility that what I think is happening is not necessarily what is happening. You feel me? Just because I've seen ghosts does not mean that they exist. You know? Someone says, whenever I see things, I just brush it off as my mental illness fabricating things yet again. Well, I wouldn't say you necessarily, I mean, maybe if you're like a schizoaffective person or something, that's how you feel, like definitely <laughs> make sure you handle that. But I'm not trying to say even that like everything we experience is like some hallucination and like something to be like, like, oh, like my brain's broken or something. I think that these experiences are very valuable and we should like be intrigued by them, you know. Something Husserl said, Husserl is the inventor, so to speak, of phenomenology. Who still believe very much when we're performing our phenomenological reductions by doing the epoche, which is the word that he gives to how we do phenomenology. A word that means suspension of judgment. It was heavily employed by the skeptics of ancient Greece. He believes that you want to try your best to step away from what you think you already know to the best of your ability like it's not possible to completely divorce yourself from everything you know but one of the things that he emphasizes is that you don't want to when you're trying to observe your own consciousness and the way that you perceive your external environment and the way you perceive anything you don't want to fall into assigning value hierarchies to anything so like in this example if i see an angel right i'm not going to necessarily say it was an angel but i'm also not going to say it's mental illness or i'm not going to say that this thing was not real so to speak like we want to be equally intrigued by literally everything whether this angel is literally a physical entity in my immediate experience or something that I completely made up. Either way, we want to treat the phenomena as being important and investigate it. So this is why phenomenology, I think, is fun and can also be fulfilling even on a spiritual, quote-unquote, level. Because we don't believe that, like, everything that could be a hallucination is therefore unimportant and stupid and don't pursue it. Like, I'm very interested in things like altered states of consciousness and trying to willfully induce hallucinations, you know?
So we're very science fiction-y over here. We had fun. Period. Buttress, have you encountered spirit? If you have, then they exist in a way. <laughs> I've been talking about this. Yes, I have. I'll give you guys my most explicit example before I leave. Because I need to get out of here and do some other phenomenology club stuff. Like I said, we have a meeting tonight. Anyone who's not a member, call and be a member because we're going to talk like this. Except we talk in our Discord and literally anybody could talk. But what was I saying? Oh yeah, I'm going to give you my most explicit example before I leave. So basically, I really got into like, I got into like Thelema, like Aleister Crowley type shit and like Eliphas Levy type shit a few years after I had like escaped Christianity all dramatically after I crossed the Christian border into the dark side, the dark side of stuff. And one night I was doing some sort of like ritual magic shit alone in my room and I was staring in the mirror, and I swear to God, I even remember, like, what some of this looked like. My face started morphing into all these other faces, and it went on for, like, minutes, and I was on no drugs at all. This is, like, pure high-on-life bullshit, like, high-on-whatever-ritual magic I was doing alone in my room. I saw my face morph into, like, all of these other faces. It was mostly, like, old-looking, like, Russian peasant-type people. It was mostly women, but I feel like there were some men in there. And at the time, I thought I was, like, experiencing a mirror image of, like, all the lives I had lived in my past or some bullshit, you know, because all these people were some, like, I don't even, they, they looked like medieval fucking peasants. <laughs> and like this, this experience was so visceral, so real. I was like, holy shit, wow. Like it was so real. I can still like kind of remember it. <laughs> but that's probably my most like, at least in the realm of spirituality, my most vivid hallucination. But looking back on that, yeah, I absolutely do not think that I had, like, actually conjured up past spirits of my life or whatever. I think that in that moment, I really believed something like that was happening. And I guess I made it happen. But like I said, I'm still so intrigued by this experience. I don't want to dismiss it as being some, like, product of mental illness or, like, a hyperactive imagination. I think that if it's true, well, it is true as far as I know. I guess I won't put full faith in the idea, but I think it's pretty true that I experienced this incredibly visceral hallucination. And because I did that, there is obviously something there to be explored, you know? I don't think the thing that needs exploring, though, is this literal idea that I was like witnessing past lives. But what I want to explore and what I'm interested in is this ideal that I had this fucking vivid ass, visceral ass, literal hallucination off no drugs. And that's the only time I've had such a visceral, visual hallucination. I've had a lot of audio hallucinations, but those, I think, are <laughs> due to neurological disease and not nearly as exciting. Yes, I have seen the movie Altered State, someone asked. Alright, so I'm done with this. But, um, someone else asked, but how will you investigate? 
with phenomenology. And actually, one of the things I have to go do right now is finish up my video about phenomenology and how to do it. So if any of you are intrigued by these ideas and want to come with us on our phenomenological investigations of our conscious experience, I hope that you'll check that video out. It should be uploaded by the end of tonight. Um, but either way, we're meeting at 9.30 p.m. EST. Thanks everyone for hanging out. Leave a comment if you're listening to this later. Let us know what the fuck you think. And like I said, go check out the other videos. Oh yeah, give me a thumbs up, please. Thanks. I love you all. You're ugly. Psych. You're beautiful. I love you. Bye.